are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. So we're going to hand over to Chris in a moment uh, and hear from him. He's going to be preaching live this Sunday. So uh, hopefully with the tech side of things will work for us and um, and it will be a blessing for you to hear him live rather than as a recording. Before I hand over to Chris, he's asked me to read the passage. So we're going to read from Galatians 5. I'll be reading from the New International Version, NIV translation. Um, and the words are on the screen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. 
Well, good morning and thank you so much, Bill. Um, welcome to Hope Church. This morning, we're in the first week of lockdown 2.0. And as such, we've decided over this season that we're just going to try speaking to you live. So as Phil mentioned, this isn't a pre-recording. I'm here in our spare bedroom while the kids are downstairs with, with Catherine. And so you may well hear some noises from them and just apologies for that in advance. But anyway, welcome. This is our penultimate week going through the book of Galatians. And throughout this season, we've been digging into the topic of grace because that's what this book is all about. And if you're new, you might have found the last few weeks' talks just a little bit complicated, to be honest. And that's because this book is really complicated. But as a church, we love God's Bible. And, and rather than staying away from the kind of complicated bits, we see it as our job as making it accessible and understandable so that when you come to reading through yourself, you might just remember and you know some of the bits that you picked up from the series. And hopefully that will help it to just come alive for you. And you know what? This week is no different. It's another complicated passage, and as you've just heard. And like the last few weeks, it does require some Old Testament knowledge. If you've never read the Old Testament, then don't worry, because I'm going to explain the bits that we need for today. And to be honest with you, I think the reason why Paul wrote this book to the churches in Galatia, which is kind of modern-day Turkey, um, was because the people... Uh, talking to the Galatian churches would have spoke about the Old Testament a lot. And that was the issue. The Jews were coming to them and telling them that to be Christians, they needed to follow Jewish practices. And they would have referred, therefore, to the Old Testament, to Abraham, to Moses and the law, in order to persuade them that they knew what they were talking about. So Paul is kind of hammering home this point that they have misinterpreted the Old Testament and now he's putting them right. And he's like, hey, let me really tell you about Abraham, Moses, the law and all that went on through this book. And that's that's what he does for us. So this morning's talk, I've entitled Freedom. And uh, you, this comes right away through the passage and especially our verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So we're going to be looking at what is the purpose of the freedom that can be found in Jesus. And this passage, it kind of splits into two sections. There's two key parts. And so that's how this talk is going to play out. I'm going to talk about the first part, then the second part. But before we talk about what freedom is, it's worth saying what freedom isn't. Freedom, it isn't something without boundaries. Freedom always, always has a context. So here's an analogy. In this country, over the age of 17, everyone is free to drive. And when I first got my car, I found new freedom. Hey, suddenly I was able to go anywhere I like. I'm free. Or was I? I was free to drive anywhere as long as I drive on the roads and I didn't drive across my neighbour's front lawns, for example. I was free as long as I drive on the correct side of the road and in the correct direction. 
I had to adhere to certain speed limits and I had to buy insurance and tax and make sure that my car was MOT. I had to pass a test and, and so on it goes. I also, you know, and now we all have to think about our responsibilities. If we were to just want to use our freedom car to go anywhere for the next two weeks, well, we would have to think about the responsibilities we have to our work, our family and our kids. And so in one sense, we're free to go anywhere. But it's always within a context. You can't just swan off for two weeks, abandoning work, family, kids. And even if we do, we've got to obey some rules. It's probably why when teenagers first get a new car, they have this mighty freedom away, it's so good. But then the restrictions are placed and they want to push those boundaries. Certainly, that was something I did when I pushed those speed limits at a young age and rightly got the points on my license that I deserved. But I won't say how many. All freedom has a context. You know, in fact, freedom without a context, I would say, is bad. It's not really freedom at all. Parents who give their children freedom without boundaries don't show love. Making sure there is a time for them to return, a boundary for how far they go, and a spending limit, and a friendship circle, and so on, are vital for them to be able to enjoy the freedom that, as parents, we give them more and more over the years. In fact, if there were no boundaries in place, driving would be chaotic and actually would ruin many people's lives. So you could say that all the freedoms that are available could ruin lives without boundaries. Of course, on this weekend in Britain, we take time to remember the freedom won for us by our soldiers throughout the centuries. We enjoy this country's freedom to life and liberty which includes things like freedom of speech, equal opportunities, equal access to healthcare, the, the right and safety and uh, to well-being and the right of due process, freedom of movement, freedom from kind of arbitrary arrest, freedom of association and freedom of religious worship. The list goes on. But all of this comes in the context of all our citizens adhering to a set of British values. These values are taught to our children in primary schools. And so, you know, just last night when I was practicing what I was going to say today, I was using the word freedom and my children came to me telling me what it meant. They were saying that, hey, we know what that means because we've been learning about those values at school. They're taught to obey and respect the law, to respect the rights, beliefs, opinions of others. And uh, as citizens, we are encouraged to do all sorts of things like pay our taxes, pay national assurance so that everyone has basic provision. And we adhere to the government guidance, which, you know, across the country, even though we are free, we are adhered to it, especially in the case of coronavirus. We give up many of our freedoms because we understand the context, the boundaries and the responsibilities that come with the freedoms that we enjoy and that many have fought for. You might say to not do so would be an insult to all those that have lost their lives for such freedoms in the first place. And so on this Sunday, we rightly remember all those in the past and present wars and all our key workers who have lost their lives to keep us safe. It's right to remember that. And you know what? There is freedom to be found in Christ too. 
who also gave up his life for the freedom that we can enjoy in him. And when we don't understand this freedom or live by its context, Paul says in this passage we heard that we end up living in slavery. You know, all the Jewish people at the time hearing that language of slavery would have immediately thought about their ancestors in slavery. And in their mind, a ricochet of thoughts would have kind of sprung up. But that doesn't quite happen for us. And so it's good for us to just take the time to recap through the Old Testament story of slavery and freedom. See, in the Old Testament, the people of God found themselves in slavery twice, actually. And the passage we heard links to both, hence both parts that we're going to talk about. And so the first part, let's talk about that. The first time they were in slavery, it was in Egypt. And you might have heard of the story from the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus. And this is where Moses frees the people of God from Pharaoh. During their time under Pharaoh's reign, life would have been very strict. They would have been told when to wake, when to work, what to eat, where to go, when to eat. And they had to adhere to strict rules. But Moses led the people of God into the promised land. But it was God that gave them their freedom. So what was the purpose of their freedom? It's a good question. Well, the purpose of their freedom was not to obey the law, even though God gave them the Ten Commandments and showed them how to live as a new nation, which which they were. It was also not to make sacrifices, even though God gave them a way to atone for their sins and be forgiven. It was also not to possess the land, even though God provided them a base to flourish and grow and bless all the nations. So why then? Why did they? What was the purpose of their freedom from slavery? Well, it was to know God and to be his people. That was the context. That was the purpose for God freeing his people out. The intention was to have a relationship with God. This intention is reiterated throughout the books of the Old Testament, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and numerous times. One such time is in Exodus 19, and it says this, Tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Then he gives some context, some boundaries. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He is saying, you will be mine and I will be yours. The intention was relationship. It was a restoring of community. You know, Adam and Eve, they shared a wonderful community with God in the garden, which also had boundaries, by the way. But the purpose of their freedom was relationship with God. It's kind of a restoring of what Adam and Eve had to be God's people, to be his holy nation and to know him. And yet, you know, ironically, the people of God forgot all about this. And instead, they let their time in Egypt and the Egyptian culture set the context for their freedom. So quite quickly, they forgot the purpose of their freedom, which was to know God. And instead, they went back to adhering to strict rules as some sort of way to be accepted by God, rather than 
the Ten Commandments being a way for all the people to flourish, a, a context to enjoy their freedom, it became a law to try to kind of get around and appease this distant God. Sacrifices were abused and, and people would just treat each other badly, but then go and make a sacrifice and think, hey, well, it's all okay now. Mighty men of faith would come and go and remind God's people about their true purpose, like Hosea, who says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and, a, and an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. But do you know what? They always forgot their true purpose. And they let the culture define their freedom and set its context. The exact same problem happened with the Galatians. They were allowing the Jewish culture to set the context for the freedom that they now found in Christ. So they were turning to ritual and rules like circumcision that we heard in, in the passage. And this is what Paul kind of tackles in that first part of the passage that we read. In verse one, he says stuff like this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Verse two, he says, if you let yourselves be circumcised, which is like a dead religious rule, well, Christ will be of no value to you at all. In verse six, in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. They don't have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's good to dwell on that, isn't it? Faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7 says, you were running a good race, but who can on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from God. And in verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. I mean, Paul is really hammering this home. And he's saying, well, if they're going to talk about circumcision and pointless religious rituals, well, just go and chop the whole thing off. Just go for it, because it is pointless. Remember the purpose of your freedom. He's saying it's not to follow dead religious rules, but to walk humbly and love God, to know him, to walk in a relationship with him. And in fact, if you believe that your good works kind of make any difference, then he's saying Christ died for nothing and his death on the cross was in vain. So it's like, come on. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So it's good just to pause to see how this relates to us, because we need to remember the purpose of our freedom, too. It is not. Because, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, Israelites thought it was some things and we can think it's some things too. For us, it is not forgiveness. You know, Christianity is not all about sin and sin management. It's also not just to be a better person or a nice person or a good neighbour. It's not to have spiritual experiences, even though certainly we can have them. It's not even to plant churches, to start churches, to be leaders, to read our Bible, to give, to pray, all these things. They are not the purpose of our freedom. The purpose of your freedom, the purpose of Christ coming to this earth is so that you can have a relationship with God, to know him and be known by him. You know, it's just so easy for faith to become about observing a bunch of rituals. Yet God is reminding you and me again today that he is calling us to himself. You know, when God 
took the people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land, he restored that relationship, that relationship that Adam and Eve enjoyed with him. And that was meant to have implications. Those implications would have been that God's people would worship him, that they would bless all the other nations, that they would be a light to everyone else, that they would extend God's kingdom and his values, and that they would share the truth about God. And over time, they just completely failed in doing these things. And you can read that through the books of Judges and Kings and Chronicles, how they really messed up. And instead of worshipping like they were meant to and, and doing all these things and being a light in the darkness and sharing the good news in God's kingdom, instead, they forgot about God. Instead, they turned to sin. Instead, they judged other nations. In fact, they stopped telling others about God. They turned to idols themselves. They completely ruined the freedom they were given, just like Adam and Eve ruined theirs. You know what? God took them back into slavery. They went from slavery to freedom, back into slavery. And unfortunately, that is a journey that many Christians take today when they lose the primary purpose of their relationship with God. And instead, they ex uh, turn to external adherence to ritual and rules. And so I just want to say, uh, wrapping up this first section, if you feel like your faith is dry, your, maybe your Bible reading is boring, your prayer life is non-existent, maybe you feel like you've been trapped by a set of rules and rituals you know, maybe you just kind of are going through the motions a bit. I want you to know, that, and God wants to remind you, that it was never about those things, but it was about a relationship with him. And today he's drawing you back to enjoy him again. You know, if I only ever spoke to Catherine when I wanted something, or maybe just at 6.30 a.m. every morning, that wouldn't be a very good relationship or a fun one. Instead, we enjoy doing stuff together and we have a continual conversation. And so let's look to have a consistent, ongoing conversation with God throughout our lives and do that whilst we do things that we enjoy. You know, whether that's going on walks and runs and cycle rides or whilst painting, drawing or sewing, whatever it might be, let's look to enjoy time with God, our Heavenly Father who wants a relationship with us. They went from slavery in Egypt into freedom and they needed to be reminded of that purpose and and paul is doing that in the passage he's reminding them come on for freedom christ set you free and the second part let's go into the second part now of the passage and yeah that was read out earlier and that was relating to the people of god's second time in slavery having failed to remember the purpose of their freedom and continually kind of turning from god instead of to him God allowed them to be captured, and this time it was by the Babylonians. Now, the Babylonians were very different to the Egyptians. Their culture was very much like a do-what-you-like culture. There was no boundaries at all. Everything was on the table. You might remember us at the start of lockdown, going through the book of Daniel. We called the series Faith in a Real World. And um, yeah, this was us exploring the book of Daniel. And here we learn about the Babylonians and how they would put up in their museums 
the relics and artifacts of all the world's religions that they had conquered. Here, there wasn't particularly strict rules. Everything was permissible. All religions were kind of on the table, as it were, all equally relegated to the museum of redundant relics. And in Egypt, they were under strict rules and regulation, whereas here in Babylon, they were relatively free to enjoy all the parts of the culture. There was no boundaries. And just like God took them out of Egypt, Egyptian slavery, he also led them out of Babylonian slavery. And you can read about that in Nehemiah and Ezra. God took them out of slavery and he gave them their freedom back in the promised land. And yet again, the people of God allowed their time in Babylon to set the context for their freedom. And so we then have a period of time where no one is living a godly life. No one is righteous. There's not, uh, they're, they're not living as God's people at all. And they're completely taking for granted God's grace and freedom. Again, they have forgotten the purpose of their freedom. Again, during this time, you, you get some mighty men of God, you know, like Daniel, you can read about. And Jeremiah is one of those. And he prophesied during this time. And he says in Jeremiah 31, 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. So it won't be in the context of the kind of stone tablets and those rules and those commandments that I made then when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was like a husband to them, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. He is saying that there is a time coming where God is going to draw himself back to his people again. And this time, the context of their freedom, where it won't be written on these stone tablets and you won't have to teach it to your children or to your people no, instead, it will be written on their hearts. Through Jeremiah, God was reinstating the purpose of their freedom to be their God and them to be his people. The freedom they were experiencing was for relationship. So just as the Galatian churches had fallen into the trap of the Egyptian slavery, some had also fallen into the trap of the Babylonian slavery. The idea that God is going to just forgive me anyway, so I can do what I like. And so in our passage, Paul addresses that kind of thinking. And he says in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. That's like in, in our simple behaviours. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself so you can just kind of imagine them thinking well Paul come on how are we to live then you know we're not meant to follow rules but we also do have a context for our freedom so uh, what are the boundaries how are we meant to know them what is the context of this freedom you've given us the question is how do I live as a Christian 
And over the next few verses, Paul says these kind of phrases, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. How do you be a Christian without following a dead religion and whilst also enjoying the boundaries and the context of your freedom? Well, Paul says we have to be a people who who walk, are led, who live and keep in step with the Spirit. We need to be full of God's Holy Spirit. And he is echoing Jeremiah's prophecy of this new covenant, this new context for the freedom. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So let's just read those last few verses again. In verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Hey, come on. There's a context to the freedom in Christ that he has won for you. But that is not law. It is to enjoy his freedom. And so he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under law. He's he's making that point. Now, they might have thought, well, if we don't have law, how do we know where the boundaries are or what sin is? And in verse 19, he says this. Well, do you know what? Sin, the acts of the flesh, it's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, these things kind of mean sleeping with someone who is not your wife. It it means kind of running after and um, putting others to shame through sexual acts. That's debauchery. He goes on, you know, no one wants those things. And, And it's right here in the Bible, God setting his values, his context for the freedom we have. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, bits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, he says, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, if you're wondering, is this a good thing to do? If you're wondering, well, what is the context? Where is my freedom? What is the boundaries? Well, I think it's just worth considering your conscience, because If you're a Christian and God has made you alive in Christ, he's given you a conscience and a spirit that lives inside you that speaks to you. So think about your conscience. Maybe ask God about it or think, can I do this thing with worship music on? And if the answer is yes, then it's probably okay. Paul says, come on, it's obvious what's not great. And you you know it really. You do know it in in your hearts and your minds. And so instead, what does what does living as a Christian look like? What does the spirit do in us? Well, says just as the sinful behavior is obvious, the fruit of the spirit is obvious. And it's love. It's joy. It's peace, peace in the midst of anxiety. It's forbearance, which means patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness, and importantly, it's self-control. Against such things, there is no law, he says. He's like, do you know what? You can do these things as much as you like. You can have as much joy, as much love, as much peace. You can, you can go out and be as good as you like to as many people as you want. There is nothing stopping you. And then he finishes, those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. There you go. That's the end of the passage. The Old Testament message of the Bible is that God is faithful to free his people from both of these types of slavery. And he has done it. And now through Jesus, he completes that work in you when you first put your trust in Jesus. So no longer do you need to be fearful or worried or anxious about the things of this world. No longer held captive to hatred for others. No longer chained by the sins that ruin your life and destroy others. No, God is able to and can break all those things in your life. You know, today he's calling us all back to to remember the purpose of our freedom. It is to know God and to be known by him. You know, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of uncertainty, let's be a people who know our purpose. Let's be a people who know our God and, and are content in him. Let's be a people of freedom. Just like the freedom that I found in my car had a context. The context of the freedom found in Christ is the spirit. Because the spirit shows us the boundaries of how to enjoy the freedom that we find in God. We walk. We're led and we live by the spirit. And so um, 1 Peter 3 says, For Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. We are freed for a purpose. It's to have a relationship with God. And when we do that, do you know what? It also has implications, just like the people of the Old Testament, it would have had implications. The implications are that we worship him, that we bless all the nations, that we're a light to those around us, that we extend God's kingdom and his values and that we share the truth about God. But do you know what? They're never the things that bring us our freedom. No, they're just the implications of the freedom that we find in Christ. It all comes from our relationship with God. And we're going to pray. And as we pray, it's just worth remembering. You know, on this Remembrance Sunday, where we recognise the freedom we have in this country due to those who lost their lives, as Christians, we also remember Jesus and the freedom that he gave us when he died on that cross. In Egypt, in order to go free, a lamb was slain and all those in their houses came out free because of the blood of the innocent lamb on their doorposts. In Babylon, an innocent man, Daniel, was thrown into a tomb of lions. But God declares him innocent and he comes out free. In Jesus, both these things combine. As the innocent lamb is slain on the cross and then placed in a sealed tomb, But Jesus, he rose from the tomb, defeating death and sending his spirit so that all who believe in him shall know the freedom found through his spirit. It's to be in a relationship with the father, to know God and be known by him. And so I'm praying today that you would know his presence in your life right now. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
for the freedom that is found in Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for this book of Galatians, where we can find out about this amazing grace that sets us free. We find out how we were once lost, but we're found by you. We find out how, yes, like those things that can chain us and entrap us, that that kind of cause us slavery, like our sins, our sinful desires and uh, adherence to religious regulations. Actually, Lord God, you set us free from those and you call us to enjoy life and life to the full in your spirit with our father walking with Jesus every day of our lives and I pray today that for all those that are feeling trapped or chained by something that you would reveal yourself to them that you would set them free that they would know your spirit alive and awake in their homes right now I pray do it amongst all of us wherever we are in our bedrooms in our in our offices in our living rooms wherever you are Lord God send your spirit set us free thank you heavenly father amen amen Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.